Hello again. Welcome back to We Need to Talk podcast, our club podcast anyway. We are your hostesses. I am Tamaya. And, and I am so, Tired and Talisa. Tired and Talisa. I'm tired, boss. <laughs> I'm here. Come on, Seely. We here. Mm-hmm. We still here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Hello. Um, let's see who's next. Paint in the background. You know who you are. Hello, world. It's Ariana. <laughs> All right. Hello, cabinet. You know who you are. You should. Kitchen cabinet. Yes. <laughs> hey guys, it's Chikima. Hello, hello. This is Esther. Still here. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I think it, it's, Hello. it's felt it's felt by everybody it's we're yeah. just we're just well, I think it's all yeah I think we all pretty much yeah expressed in our tones and our introductions what the what the x is going up okay we all made it guys here is the is the word of the day we are here still here kind of here made it here Mm-hmm. Here it is. Here it is. So you know the movie Horton hears a few. What happened, girl? You know the movie Horton hears a who? I do. And and the little thing was like, we are here. We are here. And if you listen very very carefully, you can hear him saying, "That's how I feel." That's how you feel, friend. I feel. We are here. Don't count us out. We are here. That's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. For those who are listening, the faces that are being made, y'all, we made it, okay? And we're here for y'all and for us. All right, we're back. We're back. Hello again. So again, we do welcome you to We Need to Talk Club podcast. We do encourage you to follow us, review us, support us wherever you listen to your podcast. And we are back with another installment of the Girlfriends Talking Girlfriends series in which we are on episode 12 and 13. Hello, world. Let's begin. Season one or season two? Season two, episode 12 or 13. You ain't going to do that. I'm just kidding. We made it to season two, and that's what we're going to discuss. <laughs> okay, season one is in the dust. The third time you done asked me. I forgot. All right. All right. So, hello again, ladies. Season two, episode 12. William has enlisted Tony to buy a house. So, Tony is back in the world of income. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the main thing about this episode, well, a couple main things, but the main, main thing is with William buying his house, he decides to buy it as a surprise to Yvonne without asking her to weigh in on the whole situation. So I'll just say everything that happens here that I notated down. Yvonne, after seeing the house, loving the house, also his girlfriends, you know, Joan and them tried to warn him they think she would want to be involved in this huge undertaking. So um, finally, he shows Yvonne the house. Yvonne loves it, but is taken aback at the fact that he went ahead and bought a house without her. She actually admits that I think for once, the first time, kind of what we've been saying for all the weeks, she admits that she has a problem with William's controlling ways. Okay, so thoughts here. Thoughts, 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 thoughts. What would you think? if your partner went ahead and bought a house, went through the whole process without you? Well, I, 
Do you feel so like it was things. a great gesture of love? No, surprise, no. Was... <laughs> okay. I, it's one of those gestures that I think the movies makes you feel like it's, you know, so grand and romantic. But mm. when you really brawl it down to, it's extremely controlling. And also like, why would you do that? Because a home is for the both of us. Mm-hmm. And it that requires give and take, that requires discussing your wants and needs. It's just like a marriage, just like potentially planning a wedding, right? It's two people coming together to create something new. So right. when one person just takes over and just decides on everything, like no matter how quote unquote perfect the house is, it's not going to reflect the both of us because I'm not, I didn't get to a say. a say, an input on it at all. That's one. Two, and that's just like more of an aesthetic location situation. Mm-hmm. From like a legal perspective, how the frick are you buying a house without having me be any involved in it in terms of like signing documents? Because that means that like one, it's in your name, right? Both in terms of title and deed and also mortgage. Yes. So I'm not, I'm not getting equity. I'm not getting, you know, ownership of the house. So again, I, as Yvonne is, she's shit out of luck. Sorry for the language, because if anything happens, she does not have a, take slash say in the house itself and what that represent and some dire black woman stuff go down she gonna get kicked out just like just like the woman go ahead absolutely no but to esther's point like that's exactly what happened (laughs) she was you know asked to the win on him actually purchasing the house and Mm -hmm. then he went ahead and you know moving ahead a little bit but he sold the house like yeah, and she had no say in it. So yeah, no say, no knowledge. Controlling, you know, this goes back to him, you know, making her quit. Like, which you know, these are things that she mentioned in the episode. But yes, yeah, and it was oh gosh, was it so satisfying to hear her mm-hmm. say it? I felt like we've been saying it, but to hear her. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then he tried to play, you know, devil's advocate. You know, you forced me to pick a wedding date. Yeah. Right, you try do to not want to get married. Like, like you're controlling. What? You're an adult. Like t- <laughs> seriously. But yeah. Agreeing. I love William. But dang, bro, fail. Cold fail. Hold on. I'm sorry, Lisa. I see your mouth moving, but I don't know if you're saying anything to us or others. Mm-mm. Okay. Terrible. Terrible. I shake my head unto you. So, <laughs> but any thoughts, Kima, Lisa, on? Williams controlling ways in this scenario, him going ahead with this house purchasing process. I, I like the way Joan explained it. Like, I wouldn't say just women, but like you grow up, you know, these are big, big deals in your life, at least the staple moments from your wedding, your house purchasing, your first car buying, your first career thing. These are things you want to be a part of or involved in, in some your children in some type of way. So to be taken out of the picture altogether you know, and be told, well, this is what I'm envisioning for our life. So, you know, Annie up and it's romantic. So you should enjoy this. It's mm-hmm. just like, um, no, 
Like, come on. Sorry. Oh, I was gonna say, I feel like, cause I did do this before. I feel like the only, <laughs> the <laughs> only that it will be accepted. She went on mute real quick. Everybody remember, this is a podcast with mothers and full-time aunties. So expect the children's lovely moments to intercede our conversation sometimes. Carrie. Because I did do this before, like I told John, my dream house, I said every single room, I said exactly what I wanted. Now, if a guy was romantic and remembered enough to remember every single little detail, that would be the only way that it would be okay. Right. But the fact is they don't, because they don't remember to close the white. Yeah, they don't. Not okay. <laughs> they don't remember to put the, 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 the pamper inside that specific pamper yeah. garbage. So it's and no doubt. And then, and then that's the fact. We know the house, not trying to say women know their house, but the same thing, women know their house, okay? At least in our scenarios, we know the nooks and crannies of every movement we make in our daily lives and what would be best for us, what would work better if we got to choose a new space to deal with these kids, our jobs, our household, you know, upkeep, we would know exactly what we would want. Like, I know I would like a laundry room next to bedrooms you know what I mean? like stuff like that just mm -hmm. simple stuff we i know i would like a drawer next to my stove on this side because that helps me get my you know utensils quicker when i'm cooking this certain thing we have those little things the men just want a room that they can call their own but we are not able to come and control that room okay man cave gaming room whatever it is that's all they really looking for a separate well, space i will say this like Whereas, i think that's kind of doing gender i don't mean to but uh, not, that's why i said yeah. in our scenarios at least in mine and i know in kima's mm -hmm. this is what said men and that's why i had to make that distinction this is what our husbands are looking for they're not looking for all the different angles nooks crannies and ways that i can function properly in a space they're just looking at what's decent for them so you need both parties that are going to be living in the space to be able to choose the space that works best for them and that's all I'm saying about that. Go I was ahead. about to say, um, oh, sorry, Lisa. It's me. Um, I think the bigger issue was that it was a part of a continuing pattern that he yes. was doing. Mm -hmm. Like it just kept on going after she shared like, hey, I'll do this, but you know, this is not what I really want to do. And he just kept on, you know, making his own strides and moves without considering how she felt what she wanted. Um, and just taking that that baggage of I'm a good man. I'm a good man. I'm doing good man things. This is what mm -hmm. I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. and she's gonna love this and she's gonna run into my arms and not understanding the woman that he was with. So I think that was the bigger issue, the fact that it was just a part of um, you know, a continuing pattern that he was not, it was not clicking. And if we're gonna be married and it's not clicking now, bruh, bruh. Right. It ain't gonna, it ain't gonna, gonna do nothing but get worse and down the road. Agreed. Agreed. Anyone else have any other points before I move on to the next topic? Okay, so also what happens in this episode, um, Joan is fighting hard, good and hard for the Martin Luther King day off at her law firm. Point where she's having constant discussions with her boss. He's having a lot of, y'all, what's the words? Not necessarily racist comment, the microaggressions. Mm -hmm. um making all these little side statements and stuff basically to 
conclude, no, you're not getting that day off. Let it go. Um, yeah. And, like nothing and important. Like he was like, I'm going to take away Christmas. Right. Right. <laughs> he's like Christmas and New Year's. Even. Like he seems like equal opportunity. Like I don't want to lose any money on any day. These are work days. You want it off, take your personal days. It is what it is. And to the point where she strong arms him and brings in all these cute little kids to actually make a whole presentation about MLK Day. Um, and that works. That works. At least get the MLK Day off. What's your thoughts about this scenario? Because I was, at first I was like, that's rude. It is a federal holiday. Give them the day off. But then when he made it clear that he also doesn't give Columbus Day and all those other days, Veterans Day, all that, he's like, no, it's all equal opportunity right here. Like, money's money. It kind of made me like, oh, well. So racial in that in that instance. So my own job um, did not give us that. We there's a whole lot of holidays that we just don't get off, but that mm-hmm. one in particular, they did not implement that as like a paid day off mm-hmm. until Black Lives Matter. <laughs> um, so last year was actually the first year that we actually got that day off as a paid holiday mm-hmm. and moving forward. Right. Um, but they they did make an effort to acknowledge some part of being inclusive in the movement in, you know, um, Black history and right. everything else. But it was not a priority prior to. So I don't really... I didn't I didn't dig too deep into it because mm-hmm. there was a lot going on it like with Black Lives Matter and, right you know everything else um, but I'll take any day off I could get really okay <laughs> as most of the workforce I believe will <laughs> but yeah what's everybody in what are our thoughts with that is it is it if we is it a comparison thing like if we get Columbus day off forgive it if we get President's Day off, you know, when the majority of the presidents except one is white. We get all these kinds of days off that do not necessarily celebrate our particular heritage or culture. Does that then make it, you know, equal footing? We should also have these um, days that do represent our cultures off. Should it be something everyone's fighting for to have these days off? Or should it be something where we're more so fighting for? Because I know that was a big conversation when Juneteenth dropped and was able, became a federal holiday. If should we even be fighting for days off or should we be fighting more so for the changes that would make every day better, not just getting a day off? Well, I think it's not an either or. And I feel that when we get into the, oh, which days are worth quote unquote celebrating slash considered as um, paid, you know, time off, that we have to uh, not admit, but just understand that all the days that we are that we take as you know given days, right? Like Labor Day, like I don't know New Year, right? Mm-hmm. They are they've been chosen by the majority, right? Like having Christmas off, having Thanksgiving off. Like, not everybody celebrates them, right? Um, There's complicated uh, emotions on any holiday or just 
particular events, um, historical events. So I feel like it's less about, oh, let's decide and more about let us really reckon and acknowledge our history at the same token, give people freedom. Like instead of saying, for example, you get these particular days off, in my opinion, anyway, yeah. like give me, just tell me, hey, you have 12 federal holidays. You get to choose the days that works for you. Hmm. I like it. I love that. I really do. Cause yeah, cause I thought about that. Like if it was a situation where you know, where that comparison comes in, that's what I was saying. It's like so many different holidays at that point can be thrown in. Like, you know, Day of the Dead, let them get their day. But I love that idea. Like, you know, as you sign on, you have this many days, opportunities to get paid days off. You pick your holidays that are important to you. So regardless of your religion, what have you, you get to select those. That seems fabulous, girl. You better write that. You better put that out there. Send it over, Mr. Biden, sir. Yes, I like that a lot. But, right, and I, I will say every this, day though, that didn't land on the weekend. The, <laughs> at the same caveat, because I now work for a couple of companies where you have what they call like unlimited, or however they, the HR speak is, <laughs> where not, you don't have a set number of you know days off, right? Mm-hmm. I do think that there's a pitfall there because it's really in the American work culture. It's all about grinding and grinding. So even though you have quote unquote unlimited because it's not set and you basically lose it at the end of like that calendar year, mm-hmm. you tend not to actually take those days off because they're not, you know, they're not, you can't, your brain doesn't have like that number to like counter out against. So that said, I feel like we should, again, as like a movement of society, push people to like, take your darn days off, okay? You work for them. They don't, it's not owed to you. It's part of your employment contract. Take your darn days off. Speak, speak for all y'all out here. <laughs> it ain't me, I take them days. So the, for the rest of y'all out there listening, take your yeah. days off, because I am, this cock case is, that's for sure. I yeah, I have no rollover. They let you roll over like a limited number, but mm-hmm. I have zero rollover. Mm, I don't get, like I said, like because I have quote unquote unlimited, I don't get rollover. Mm. <laughs> oh, okay. You know? okay. And yeah. kind of tied to that, I was going to say, in discussing that whole federal holiday um, topic, I do think that it's it's again it's not just hey have those days off but what about let us actively celebrate and and bring forth um the contribution and uh just a cultural awareness right about the many events and people and tribes that have made an impact on our country for example Mm -hmm. like we barely i think it's sadly like starting to be more of a thing again in sort of the pop culture social awareness but like Native American history and just overall like you know what's happening there 
Mm -hmm. and Asian Pacific Islander history and all of that. Like there's so much that we don't actively celebrate. So that's why I'm not somebody who's like, oh yeah, like let's all have Martin Luther King Day per se, mm -hmm. right? Because you mm -hmm. might not be completely tied to that particular, um, uh, what is it like Holiday. public figure, okay. but you want to celebrate somebody else that's more attuned and close to you. Yeah, no, I love that pickings. Leave it up to them, pick it your own time and your own days. That's excellent. I love that. I need somebody to institute that now. <clears throat> and I can throw my kids' birthdays in there. Mm -hmm. Just throwing that. Anything else? Anybody have anything else to say regarding that before we move on? I was going to say that um, usually when I have holidays off, I don't even sometimes I do but like I mean like Christmas and Easter all that but like I think about the holidays but I just think about being able to spend time with my family so I say the white man had Columbus Day all these years I'm taking Juneteenth who won't stop <laughs> she said oh y'all for those listening she is making faces I wish faces could be transferred through audio because it's funny these faces being made here is funty. <laughs> so yes, also in this episode, and I totally agree, Kima. Also in this episode, Maya trifling again. She actually extends her triflingness to the point of having a secret lunch inside William House, mm. in which William ends up walking in on them, almost kissing, okay? Cause she's getting there at that point. We about to sleep up on that episode soon. Oh, wait, um, not and William makes a comment. Okay. He actually states that he thinks he tells her about herself, but then goes on to think men and women can't be friends. And how do I know that? Because y'all are my friends, but given the right circumstances, I'd slobber you all day. Yeah. <laughs> that was William's words, not mine. So quick thought before we move on to the next episode. Thoughts about that. Men and women can or can't they be friends? Stop saying they almost did this. You know they're sleeping together. They ain't sleeping together yet. You tell you there yet. And they ain't showing it yet. They, we aren't there yet, Kima. Oh, this is hey, so I, that's this whole like, you know, can men and women be friends is such no. BS thing for me. Because obviously we can. Why can we like yes? Because at the same time, like why like I'm friends with like lesbians. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to like like <laughs> I said. If I want to have sex with you, I cannot be your friend. <laughs> yeah. And that would fall under men and women. Like people forget yes. that. Like because because she's because she's a heterosexual, that would fall under that. Yes. If you're a dude and I don't want a bone, then we could be cool. So yeah, I've found personally as well, as well. <laughs> personally, um, if you're unattractive. It is much easier to be friends with a, someone who's unattractive to me. Um, I also find that if you are not interested in my sex, if you're not interested in the sex with me, then it is much easier for me to be friends with you because you don't want the sex with me, with my vagina, if you know Wait, what I mean. Um, I will but if it is a sh another heterosexual individual who does want the sex with me, and I find that I, I daydream about the sex with you, then we can we can be friends. Because 
it's too dangerous. Okay. <laughs> we don't exchange the numbers. We don't exchange bits. I see you at work. You see me at work. We have a couple of talks. You know, I've had I've had conversation. I ain't go far. I ain't Maya. All right. So I'm gonna put it out here and that's all right, husband. I know you're listening. Don't confuse me. Um, I've had my friends at work, okay. We didn't say we work husband and wife, nothing like that. But I've had us talking, you know, at the desk, at the cubicles, you know, and we laughing real good. And then and then actual, you know, friend of mine who happens to be also male and um unattractive to the point where I didn't <laughs> put them in that category would send me a little chat, a little work chat, like eyeballs, eyeballs, eyeballs. Y'all laughing real hard over there, Mrs. Yancey. I'm like, I ain't do nothing, goddammit. <laughs> you do nothing and then I go home without any further contact so with me I get what William's saying I get it a lot of people are better than me though good people <laughs> around the other attractive people that they're willing to have the sex with and they can just keep it just like that you good people go ahead Esther bless bless what about you Lisa mm. you heard me you single too, so you got you can do whatever you want to. No, I realized when I was out and about, I would be like, yeah, they could be friends. And then I realized I was out and about and uh, down for the taking. So, oh. no. <laughs> and <I'm very> least <laughs> <not> now. <laughs> I don't have many now because I'm not out and about. And, the, and there's a correlation. There's a correlation I see. Yeah, um, <laughs> there's a correlation. You there's a correlation because I was like, yeah, sure. They can. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now mm -hmm. that I'm saying it, one mm -hmm. plus one is two, and two plus two is seven. What? What is this? <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure there's some what a correlation, and I like to say yes. I have yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I think Tamaya made the strongest. Yes, and the fact that, do I really call people my friends that I don't see like that? <laughs> like acquaintances, friends. Because I have plenty of male acquaintances. Male, how was your weekend? Mine was fantabulous. Fantabulous. <laughs> um, but you don't want to fuck them. How? No. See? All right. It's <laughs> something to be that's sad about friend. that part. That's friends, right? Because I'm thinking obviously about myself mm -hmm. and the fact that, like, you know, I don't just go for men. And I'm mm -hmm. like, even people that I find like aesthetically attractive, mm -hmm. I think there comes a point where I might have started out as we you know met each other I was like oh my god this person is like super hot and you know let's see where that goes and then as we actually got to know each other and became friends that just that like fell on the wayside yeah that turned it where it's like oh yeah now this person is like a friend and I don't see myself like you know it's like I don't ever see that being an issue of me still having romantic slash sexual you know, feelings toward them. Well, I will but you say have to get to that, that point, falls though, into my category as well. You, yeah, no, no, the I only agree. way we can be friends if I no longer sees you as someone I want to have the sex with. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, but I feel like it, isn't that isn't that just like friends? <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. We can be friends when I don't want to have the sex with you. But if it comes yeah. to where I likes you and I kind of thinks about the sex. 
and a certain situation happened, like like he was saying, you know what I'm saying? I'm single now or something. Hey, 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 fr- hey friend. <laughs> so are you saying that like say that you know you got to that point with like joe where you are friends with joe Absolutely you know not. maya isn't married but friends with joe this is the but thing. then maya is no longer married would maya did go back and consider joe to be a potential like lover what it sound like well no hold up no, this is this is what I'm saying. What I'm saying is in Esther's situation, okay, mm-hmm. he had this the wanting to have the sex with them had had to fall away. Yeah, the attractiveness had the fact mm-hmm. had to go away so that even if she divorced, this is not something I'm thinking about, right? Yeah. What I'm saying is okay, yeah. stronger than me because me is me is this. If I wanted to have the sex with you, I likely always want to have the sex with you. So I can't be the friends with you. I don't even want to. Don't even call me. No, you don't need my number. Don't do nothing, cause I am not that strong. So I won't even I feel like create it's the actual. Co- I won't create that relationship outside of my said. pay period. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> all right now, all right, that'll do it. It's, it's five o'clock. That'll do it. And then I walk the hell home. So she better but than me. I want to say, is, are you are you I, saying I never, that because you never you never allowed yourself to move past that attractiveness that's what it sounds like there it is yes that's what i said you have to get to that point first exactly i never stopped being attracted i don't even get to that point the attraction started the attraction is there so i don't even let me get to the point of man you're such a good friend i'm gonna turn that part off in my brain no i don't even let you get there you don't even know my 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 situation you know i got a husband and kids I'll see you later. And I don't even mm-hmm. let it get so far as, wow, you're a good friend though. You know, this should be, nope, I'm, I'm terrible. Never got past that point. So all the friends that have lasted have been unattractive or honey. I hope, I hope your friends listen to this because yeah. what I hear is that if you're my friend as a guy, it's because I find you to be butt ugly. I said, or... <laughs> Or, oh shit. Or, 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 well, or, or, or you either are butt ass ugly or you don't want to have the sex with me. I have very, very attractive friends who are male who don't want what I got between my legs. And so we are great. That still means, okay. Let's 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 bring it all so out. Then, so then you're saying that like they either are butt ugly or they are into men. Yes. <laughs> Still, you are living out <laughs> a whole bunch of straight men, or at least men who are into women. Yes. I have are, no straight friends. I have no straight I friends. Agree. <laughs> I have no straight male friends unless we are goddamn related. <laughs> <laughs> if we are related, you are my friend. Oh, man. I have no straight male friends. I came to terms with that years ago. It was like, here's a pattern here. So All wait, my wait, friends wait. in my phone who I actually had a number, they got my number, who we call and enjoy each other's company, who I can go over their house and tell my husband everything. They don't want vagina. Wait, I want to go back to Joe, though. Okay. So, uh, Joe. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, Joe. <laughs> is not attracted to you but you are attracted to joe 
wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. I assume <laughs> every heterosexual man is attracted to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I I'm already going to assume that the little butterfly that pop up in my gut be in yours too. Even if you don't like me, I'm going to assume that it can always go there. Now, if Joe is an unattractive heterosexual man, oh, we're going to be the best of friends. My, my my little butterfly is dead and gone. She ain't even. She is oh, man. She just sitting in there like, not this one. Ain't got a flutter for you. Ain't got a flutter for you. So that Joe, that is my friend, who's heterosexual, is goddamn it. He's unattractive. <laughs> See, I that really interesting because for me, I am the opposite, and that's probably why I work quote-unquote, through this emotions of mine because I just assume everybody is gay who's a male that I meet. <laughs> I don't prove it otherwise. I have not heard that before. Most men, like, 98% of men have like, some type of tendency, like, to be no, honest. I feel like if that I makes just, me just question if I If I meet, like, an, an attractive, like, you know, guy, I'm like, you're either partnered or you're gay. <laughs> and that's your immediate default. Yeah, that's my immediate default. You like, are great. You are great. You're not you're default not is, mm, I want you when you want me. Mm, mm. I only go on group dates where we are all our friends around. Mm-mm, I don't let it. Because I know. I know. Every single one. And I've tried. I have tried. This is how I already know. Because I've had tried to be friends with attractive heterosexual people and found out that you made me laugh too much. I'm out. Nope. <laughs> nope. Hell. You made me smile too uh, much. This is too good. Mm-mm. Good night. I gotta go. I feel like you're cheating. You're being vulnerable around uh-huh. here. And that's terrible. It's probably some really good, good, like valuable relationships that I have just dismissed. They have left them in acquaintance zone. Like, even when we text each other, I'm like, hello, sir. How are you? I am contacting you for this. Oh, you are so weird. I gotta do it right. I can't. Oh. Girl, learn how to control your urges. I do. That's how I control you. You can be attracted to, like, you can like the way someone looks. Yeah. So you can like someone's personality yeah. and still be friends with them. I'm acquaintances with many. Yeah. I, they don't know my I, secrets and I don't know theirs. I don't want to tell you about my day. Hell no. Why you want to know about my day? That's how I start. Okay. I, I get I you. It. I get you. You know your I limit. Know, know you know your limit. So I have to respect that. <laughs> Thank you, friend. All right. Anybody else got something to say about that topic? We move into the next episode. No, no we dropping Joe. <laughs> All right. Oh, we dropping Joe. Okay. So season two, episode 13. Last episode we'll discuss today. In this episode, Joan plans William's bachelor party, surprises him, and kills it. I'm so proud of her. That was really cute the way she did that. Joan, Joan and William are really, really good friends. They really are. That's a good heterosexual relationship. No, they're both heterosexuals, but they have a really good relationship together. And I really do enjoy their friendship, to be honest. And we are now going to fast forward in the series and discuss how things go. Right now, that, that can again break the theory. 
What? My face is doing all types of faces. I'm like, I can't see your face. You turned your camera off. With the I was wondering if we was gonna mention it or not, but I guess not. Okay. I mean, we, we ain't gonna point. go there. We ain't gonna go there because then the, the theory is put back into question. <laughs> Wait, what this? theory? What am I missing here? Jo- no, I said Joan and William from <laughs> a great bachelor party. Yo. And I just was uh, commenting on how they're both heterosexuals and yet they're both really excellent friends together. It's an excellent example. However, later on in the girlfriend series, some who watched who watched it will know that basically like he was saying, he said, what he say? Don't you see the, the show Friends? They all jump at each other's bones. Absolutely true. And then and the same thing is really occurs later down the series in this show as well, when it comes to Joe and William's relationship. So it's interesting. That's the only tease we'll put there. And then I guess we'll have to talk about this topic all over again. <laughs> but till then, she did a great job. But the biggest story whew, in this, this um, episode was Lynn brings her sister Tanya to come meet her friends. <clears throat> and she does it, she's very elusive. She will not tell them what the deal is with Tanya, just telling them all, you know, keep an open mind and be nice. And then Tanya comes on screen and Tanya is what Maya likes to call a wigger. Ooh. Like a wigger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just gonna read my notes and then I guess we'll discuss. Lynn's sister, Tanya, seems to be the definition of appropriation. Um, Tanya, surprisingly, Tanya and Maya get along because Maya is used to wiggers in her hood. Um, For those who uh, don't understand that term, basically a white N-word, basically a white person who acclimates fully with the black culture. and what ends up taking the cake is, well, Tony can't take it. Tony and, and Joan are turned off from the beginning, whereas Maya gives her a chance. Tony, to the point, actually calls her out on it for appropriation. And Tanya states that she thinks she's more Black than Joan and Tony. <laughs> oh, that's it. We can start. Should we start there? We can start there. And Maya, okay, and I'll say this. I might as well finish my notes. Maya is actually okay with Tanya until... Tanya is in the beauty salon. She's getting her hair done by Maya's people. They turn up a good black song. And of course, the N-words in the song and Tanya feeling completely accepted by all around and being a wigger herself, jumps up and screams the word nigga, which then turns Lynn against Tanya as well as Maya and everybody else, Peaches in his hot comb, ready yeah. to attack her. Yes. So, um, I've oh. actually had experience well not the not the person saying the inward thing but um the office that i work in there's this well, a lot of people that i work with are black the black lady that does intake all the patients she's taking this patient's information over the phone and she asks for her race and she says i'm white and the intake person is like because she said that the way that the woman was talking you know you can kind of tell a little bit, well, some a lot, by the way a person talks. Like, you can kind of tell if they're black or white sometimes. Yeah, sometimes you can hear the culture in the back of their throat. You right. Yeah. Like, no. She was like, I swore up and down this lady was black. And she kept saying she was white. 
she kept saying. So when it was the patient's time to come in, the intake lady, she sat at the front desk. I got to see what this lady looks like. <laughs> she was a Caucasian woman, but her appearance, as well as the way she spoke, you could tell she was from the hood. Yeah. Like, she had, like, you know, the slick back ponytail, the hoops, and then, like, the... With the baby like, hairs laid down. And all that. With, um, fake, uh, gold chains, and, like, all, like, she, like, whew, she looked like she was from shopping at Broader Market. Like, <laughs> you know, you didn't call out North like that. <laughs> she was everything. She was basically white by skin color. That's basically, like, Right. By white by blood. Like, like you can tell she's been surrounded by hood people, yeah. hood people. I thought she could have American been like, background. And light skinned it. What happened? Like, I thought she just could have been lighter skinned. Like yeah, she, no, no, no. she was <laughs> hold on. So do me one favor. <laughs> she got it on mute. All right. Yeah. Anyone else? Like everything about her was not what she said she was. Was it appeared to be what she was? I love how you tiptoed around this. <laughs> you basically yeah. acted like Liz. Hold up, Lisa. Why you got your finger? Oh, okay. I see. Another kid intermission. All right. Yeah. Um, other thoughts, other ladies. Because this episode was, I was like holding my breath most of it. <laughs> It was wild. It was wild. Come on, I know y'all got stuff to say. It's an interesting because it's very interesting. While watching it, it reminded me of so when I my first year in college, um, I hanged out with a number of Tibetan um, like folks who were from Boston, right? Mm -hmm. And they were from you know the very, I'll say like urban, very metropolitan part of Boston. So they grew up around like, you know, hip hop culture, i.e. black people and all of that. Mm -hmm. And they, I, I don't know how we brought it up, but I think it was around like the N word or maybe something else entirely different, but how like, you know, they're like, yeah, like that's all we know. You know, like that's, that's not like a, put upon that's not like us like trying to be hip it's like we we grew up with like black culture or just like kind of like not even black culture like we grew up in Boston that's that's what part of Boston is like is wearing these clothes and talking this way and listening to these things and mm -hmm. now the first time I really grapple with like how do you what does it look like to have cultural appreciation versus cultural appropriation mm. you know and where is that fine line yes right yes um and because I you know am somebody who yes I'm black but I'm also like you know Afro-Caribbean mm -hmm. and so a lot of like American black culture is not mine mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um and sometimes I feel like I don't have you know I cannot you know talk or discuss for example like in you know, Harlem in New York City I know nothing about Harlem in New York City and what that right. is like 
you know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so if somebody, you know, who is from there and who's not, you know, black skin, like obviously they have in my head more of a authority on it than I would ever have. Mm. At mm-hmm. the same time though, again, kind of going with that, like a Harlem analogy, right? Mm-hmm. Just what Harlem represent, what the Harlem Renaissance in my head represent and having worked around Harlem, there is, there is this affinity, there's this, this comfortability, there is this, I am with my people, even though I, ha- I wasn't brought up there, even though I like just worked there for like a you know, couple of months, like it felt in a way like home, like some of the ways that people spoke and the food and just kind of like the overall, like this is how we navigate the world together in the bigger New York City felt like, okay, I relate to that. That mm-hmm. is sort of maybe not part of me, but another component of what makes me Esther and, and how Esther interacts with the bigger world. Right. That I think, you know, no matter, like if you're not black or black skin, you can't really, you, that, that, that feeling cannot be captured. Right. As a culture, there's something that we have that everyone wants to be a part of. Whether it's the way we talk, the way we dress, the way we do our hair, um, the way we sing, the, the color of our skin, the size of our lips, the size of our hips, they want a piece of it, right? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. because they don't have it. So um, definitely, you know, going back to culture appreciation, you know, let's definitely appreciate what we have. But um, yeah, she took, what was her name? Tanya, whatever. Mm-hmm, yeah. Tanya. She took full advantage and what she did admit that, you know, she, she thought she was doing it for Lynn. Right. And we don't need you to do that. (laughs) Right. Like she thought she was teaching Lynn and helping Lynn acclimate and everything. And then she fell in love with the culture herself and became, what's her name? Rachel Dolezal. What's that one? Mm -hmm. Basically. Don't shake your head, Lisa. It's interesting to me. It's very interesting to me. I take all these things that you guys have been saying on, I see it. I feel like so, uh, like I wrote down Tanya loves black culture and is she necessarily wrong for that? I know that she was wrong for a lot of stuff. Don't get me wrong. It's like, I think it, it is very complicated because you have a lot of people who grow up like the way she was, you know, she was wrong. Number one for calling out Joan and Tony and saying they basically weren't black enough. Number one, oh. you don't know how to define <laughs> black enough. You will never be the one oh. to define black enough. Also, I could relate. We can all relate as educated black women, you know, being black in this country with the way our people, you know, our ancestors have been colonized and all that to, to spread about we have had to appropriate white culture to an extent. We have had to learn it. We've had to learn how to speak a certain way, act a certain way, watch certain shows and movies, know certain characters, know certain music. We've had to, to survive or else we're thought of as less than, we're not taken seriously and we're not being able to connect with the people 
who we need to connect with to get into the circles that we 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 need to be in. Okay, in my view. Um, so I remember being told I talk white or whatever when I was younger. Um, all that kind of stuff in the hood because and and who mentioned that at one point? What is was it Joan or was it Tony? I think one of them mentioned in the episode like what is or Lynn, what is acting black or talking black or what have you? It, it's all so very complicated because I wonder if any of this would be as serious, you know, or appropriation would be such a hot topic if it wasn't for the fact that black people are often criminalized, victimized, attacked for our specific culture. Like if we all, we're able to just be our full authentic selves without, we had a whole episode of Black versus Bougie, all that kind of stuff. We, we were able to be our full authentic selves without all the stereotypes and negative connotations that came along with it. Would we be as upset with the people who appropriate our culture, take our hips and our lips and all this other stuff and, and love our culture as much? I'm not sure, you know what I'm saying? Like um, the Kardashian braid situation or what have you. You know, there's a little white girl out here calling that now, calling baby. Oh, what she call sticky it? Sticky bangs. What she call? Uh, what she call it? Sticky bangs. Sticky, sticky bangs. Sticky yes, bangs. calling the baby hair sticky bangs. Like, and she's like, I didn't know. Right, but it's like, would would it be as bad? I wonder if we weren't getting attacked for those very things. The way that the runways, you know, show our culture, put dreadlocks and on on these white people to walk them down the aisle the way people throw in braids. If we didn't have to also create the freaking Crown Act where our kids were being shamed and attacked for having their natural hair in schools, would it be so bad if other people wanted our hairstyles? I feel like it's an extra notch up of frustration, to me anyway, of how dare you wear your hair this way or take this from us when we, and you're accepted for it, you're glorified for it, you're paid for it. You're woo, look at her with cornrows, but I can't get a goddamn job for it. So it's like those kinds of things. I wonder if a lot of the stuff we like get upset about in that regards would be a thing if we were just accepted and appreciated for what we brought to the table to begin with. Is a thought of mine um, because I feel like, like, in all, every culture has their own ways of doing things, saying things, eating things, um, wearing things, every single one, European cultures, African cultures, Asian cultures, but not that they're not all vilified for it, the way the black culture is vilified for our specific um, aesthetics and ways that we go about things. They're not all vilified for it or assumed to be ignorant, dumb, drug dealing, killing, terrible people for it, the way we are. So it's very much more accepted. I feel like with a lot of other cultures for people to, whereas ours, it's like, this is all we got. So don't touch it, leave it alone. Don't, don't touch my hair. Don't, don't do my hair. Don't, don't try to jump into my, my skin and act like this when you can walk into doors as you can. And this is all I got in love. Like it, it's constantly talked about with social media, how so many influencers, are not given their just due um, as African-American influencers, but a white person does what they did or takes their sound like in TikTok and flies off the rails of 
this is acceptable, this is entertaining when they do it or they get more numbers and all that. Whereas the black creators are like, hey, what about us? You know, black Twitter is the only reason Twitter is half as good, I think, as anything else, but they're not getting paid for it. But that's the reason it's still staying alive. So it's all these kinds of things to consider that I'm interested in. And like, like I was saying, if it wasn't such a thing, if the girl Tanya didn't insult black people in the process of trying to appropriate black people, if she didn't, I like the way Lynn explained it, like whether you call me a nigger or not, you can't say either one because you're not hurt by it. You don't mm -hmm. get hurt by it. You have no inclination or, or understanding of what that word has done to people like me and mine. So you don't get to say it. I think that was a kind of really good breakdown in a quick word from Lynn at the end. And um, if those things weren't a factor, then it's like, well, Tanya, you like black men, you like black music, you like black culture. Honestly, we should all be allowed to like what we like and do what we that, want to do. And like that's the where we want and the food we want, but in this world, like you can't, <laughs> it's interesting. No, that, the instant is what needs to be discussed. One instant for black people or people of, uh, of color is for survival basic survival cult switching is for survival yes for them it's a costume it's something that they can pick and choose to do whether where they show up and present as they can do that because they chose to do that or take that route whereas other people people of color are doing it for survival yeah and like let's not forget how they turn like a tanya like oh you ain't black judging other people's blackness because you see this as a costume you don't take it as seriously you don't see it as a culture just like that girl homegirl on tiktok that says you know with the eyes and she was like when he say i act blacker than a black girl because she didn't just like black men she took it to the whole extreme mm. right and that's when it comes into question what is your intent if you like black men, I ain't got no problem. Now, if you're downing black women, the same right, black women. That's the thing. Black men, yes. That's and you like what you like without putting someone like else what down. You like. But right. you don't have to step in. Don't come in here acting jeopardy and acting like you know more than the person that is a part of this culture that you seem to appreciate or mm -hmm. for more appropriate. Like that's where we have the issue. Um, I, I just, it's the intent. It's the intent, the audacity of it all. Right. There's a way yeah. to appreciate it and not put it on like a costume and, and get scared and take it right off. And knowing that you have that privilege to do so. Whereas other people have to do that for basic survival to prosper in this world. Agreed. And, then and it's my thought to, too though, right? Oh, sorry, go ahead, Esther. And to add to you know Lisa's amazing point as well is that that whenever you are part of a marginalized um, community, right? Mm -hmm. You have, you, you need, not just have, like you need to know the history, the culture, the norms of that predominant um, identity, mm. right? So for me, it also, when, like a Tanya comes in and is like, oh, you don't, you know, you don't act black or you don't act, you know, X enough or you don't know X enough. I'm like, I know so much about you because I have to. Okay. <laughs> you, because you watch two documentaries and have, you know, 
one influence that you follow, whatever, thing that you know so much. I'm like, not only do I obviously know about that particular identity of mine, right? Being black, being, you know, non-Christian or whatever. I also know so much about yours because I have no other option. No <laughs> other option. And we are literally trained as children to learn yeah. the culture of the predominant identity of yeah. Caucasians in this country. Like even the, just what you and turn so on TV, commercials. Like it's like, yeah. we're trained. And so that's why, like when somebody is like, oh, you, you're not, you know, again, like you're not black enough. You're not, you know, gay enough. You're not X enough. I'm mm -hmm. like, do you know how much I know? <laughs> like literally how much knowledge I have because I have to. <laughs> Precisely. And I, and I bring this up because so many times when you have a public figure or somebody who's caught, who gets caught, you know, doing something stupid, I'll say, right? And just like, oh, like, you know, one, that very BS apology speak of, I'm sorry if I offended you. Mm. They're like, oh, I didn't know. And I'm like, how do you not know? I know, like, I know. <laughs> You're allowed to how, walk around you know, this like, world completely ignorant. ignorant. <laughs> you have to yeah, know it all. Like, if like, if I had to have a privilege, <laughs> it is not knowing. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because there's so many times and I might like kind of call out my own, you know, husband, but there are certain things like he will be oh, like, you know, I, he's like, oh, did you know about this? Like, I just learned about this. And I'm like, yeah, like it's, I'm like, yeah, it's been going. I can tell you the history. I can tell you where it comes from, slavery. I can, you know, because I'm like, this is nothing new. It's been going on. Just because you found out about it does not mean it's a new problem. Right. Look at that Columbus, this issue is not just been discovered. Um. Yeah. We've been dealing with this for the longest time. And that's what, that's what I'm saying. If you don't insult, I, I, I totally agree with um, Lisa with the intent. Like if you don't yeah. insult, you know, and, and especially as to the way you ex expressed it, if you're going to acclimate into this culture, you need to know this culture. You need to know the rules, the predominant identity, what goes on. And once you know that, you know, then you know you ain't supposed to be out here talking about something nigga or telling black mm -hmm. people that they ain't black enough mm -hmm. when we've had mm -hmm. to assimilate to so many different cultures and shit all around the world just so we can as you say survive which is the honest yeah. truth and then yeah. in a perfect world or in a decent world we all should be allowed to come from these specific areas be taught and, and raised a certain way and walk around the world in that like Esther said like some people who might not be black but living in the hood their whole lives you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying uh Akima said with the woman who walked into her job that's how she was raised she was raised around these people that's what she knows. <clears throat> it's a whole argument with like the Latinx community of whether they, you know, can drop the N-bomb because they are literally next to us in the hoods, in all the things and of color, but hey, wait, oh, no. And it's a, it's a whole if, thing if, like that, those rules. Uh, but, but at the same time, shouldn't people like, for example, the Carltons of the world be allowed to live and not be called not black enough 
because they were raised in a privileged, okay. mostly Caucasian society. No, 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 Let me, I'm sorry. I'm going to take a oh, sidebar. Oh, I think Lisa was trying to say something first. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Lisa. I was just, just going to button up what I was saying was, um, oh, found, I found. Oh, mm-hmm. okay, that's the, just slide right back on there, girl. Wait, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I want to take a quick sidebar about the whole Colton what's his name Rivera right is his last name Banks Carlton Banks yeah but like his the actor's real name is like something Alfonso 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 Rivera right I am so I don't know it's, it's all tied to the whole like you know white supremacy and and just what it has done to Again, marginalized people, primarily people, indigenous and people of color, is that the guy keeps years, 11 years, decades after decade, bringing up the fact that he, you know, never felt accepted by the Black community. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> yes, you are multi-racial, ethnic, however you identify, right? The reason why we don't fuck with you is because you always have been trying to to like downplay your black identity. Okay, we do not care that you have a white wife. We do not give a fuck. <laughs> we give a fuck because you keep talking bad about black women and black people in general. Okay, <laughs> That's why I want to say this. Because- <laughs> I want to say this. I ain't talking about Alfonso S. Talking about Carlton. The <laughs> old and new and if we ain't talking about Alfonso we can talk about the new Carlton same premise because that's who I thought of when I spoke it out and the new okay. LA thing I ain't talking about Alfonso crazy ass because again <laughs> intent and insult if you have the wrong intent or if you insult that predominant identity unnecessarily in order to justify your own shit mm-hmm. you out you out you appropriating and, and, and insulting and all the things you out so I totally agree with that I'm talking about Carltons of the world. Those who have literally, you know, unfortunately they're the tokens or what have you, they've grown up. All they know is, you know, not necessarily this black culture. You know what I'm saying? Um, as we see it and, and not educated in that. And then they are literally broken down, taken down for it. It's like, ah, I'll even, even, even Will Smith and Jada's kids, like, I get I it. They was weird as shit too growing up, but now I'm older. I'm like, that's kind of messed up. That's how they were raised. Yeah. That's wrong. I will I- say this though, um, <laughs> because when we talk about race, a lot of time we conflate race with class, and I think class is one of those social identifiers that we have a really hard time um, bringing out because again, it's so tied with race. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think, how I see the Coltons of the world, right? Because yes, you're black, but really one of, in my views, obviously, one of the m- most prominent identifiers for you because it has shaped your worldview and your upbringing so much more is class. Because by being part of that, you know, upper class, you then end up being the talking black person, you know? But because 
a lot of your experiences is definitely um what that word influenced by your class you end up identifying more with people of that class right so you know identifying more like you know your trip to aspens your vacation all of that and that makes you even feel much more alienated from your black identity because as a society we have we have basically um, put blackness as poor class that like you know the black that being black or having black experiences correlate to being broke correlate to like you know <laughs> the struggle correlate to all these things that are definitely part of being the poor class if that makes sense i hear so what you're okay. saying but i hear what you're saying and i wish that weren't the case but unfortunately oh, yeah. in my view the predominant black culture in our history and our collectiveness comes from the fact that we are predominantly in the lower class. Oh yeah, so a lot no, of no, our I, culture aspects are bring up the complexity that you know a cult because I've you know I've not that like I've lived sort of the cult experience like I've met enough cultans in my life mm -hmm. and have like you know seen that complexity at play because again right it's that like we especially like you know black american that we definitely as i said like equate certain black experiences or what it means to be black to certain um rites of passages that are tied so tightly with class that somebody who is brought up you know with money with lots of money mm -hmm. and lots of privileges because of money mm -hmm. feels like they don't belong or like they don't they cannot call themselves black because oh I don't talk black because you know I you know grew up with like white people or people who are non-black and did not speak you know in like African vernacular so I don't know what that means or I'll, I never had to like, you know, you know, have to mask my name and have to like, you know, do all this hoopla in terms of like, you know, finding a job because my parents had connections. So I don't know what that means when you talk about having, you know, basically needing the crown act or needing all this stuff because that doesn't apply to me. Uh -huh. So now you are in this dichotomy where you're like, well, I'm obviously black. And at the end of the day, I am as, um, I will be stopped by the, you know, by the police as easily as you would, <laughs> you know, they don't care that I'm like, you know, a lawyer. Unfortunately, <laughs> the connecting factors at that point is um, either struggle or, or mm -hmm. being attacked or vilified. That's it. That's mm -hmm. the connecting point at that point. I struggled or you felt the yeah. life of struggle before because that's the predominantly mm -hmm. where our people unfortunately are. As I drive around my neighborhood or the hood every day, and I'm like, I just wish I could get all my folk out of here. But the only time this is going to look cleaned up is if it's fucking gentrification. Um, but that's another story. Mm -hmm. But the fact that that connecting tissue seems to be either vilification for the color of our skin or that struggle factor. And if you haven't, been attuned to either 
then you are deemed by both black people as not being black enough or by mm -hmm. white people is not technically being black. Like that freaking SNL skit, one of the best skits I've ever feel like they had where the day Beyonce turned black and they all freaked out. <clears throat> that was great. If no one's seen it, look at it, it's hilarious. But it's also really real. Um, and I think William touched on it when he talked about compliment versus criticism how it's a compliment not to be black enough to the white community and it's a criticism not being black enough to the black community. And that's how he grew up and realized his life. And I feel like a lot of people kind of relate to that because the same time as we all trying to be hood and black enough, our families for the majority, you know, are pushing us to be as educated and to get out the hood as much as possible. It's very interesting. That's why I think those points are closely related to nature versus nurture. Oh, yes. Like what raises you, who raises you? Yeah. Is it your environment or the people, you know, your culture right. or whatever. Um, real quick, the three yeah. things I wanted to say that I forgot and um, <laughs> lost the file. Um, I wanted to say, if you want to appreciate a culture, if you want to step in that thing, okay? <laughs> uh, do your research first and foremost. Uh, secondly, no matter no matter what you do, just know that no matter what you do, no matter your proximity to the culture, mm -hmm. you can never be that thing. As a black presenting woman, I could never be anything else, anything else. And then like proceed with caution. Everything you do, be ready to learn because you more than likely are going to mess up. You're gonna miss a step and you're gonna to have to backtrack. And it and you can't blame no one else because you stepped into that thing. So you need to do what you have to do if you're going to be in it and be ready for it. And people are not ready for the backlash once they mess up. Mm. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's getting better. I don't know. It's not getting better. They'll apologize. Don't get me wrong. How you not know? I just, if you like the thing, if you appreciate the thing, how do you not know? How do you not research? How did that not come up? I, like Esther was saying, we've had to, I know the things. I know the Farrah Fawcett bangs. I know the bangs that go back like this and touch back there. That That is white. That is Wahite people. I know it to be true. I just, I don't get how they, how they don't know how they don't know like innately or how do they don't know if they've entered into our culture how do they not know or just period because i get it how do you think you discovered the n-word is not something you say if you entered yeah. into our culture but yeah. if you have not entered our culture i totally understand how you don't know same I can, way i totally understand how racism has been able to, racism has been able to be perpetuated through all these years what? you somebody really thought they they created sticky being bangs like you thought you were the only person yeah. You thought yeah. you created a new yeah. sector of braids yeah. that nobody has ever touched. There ain't no way in, oh, mm, there's no way. There's no way. There I think a no lot way. of the times, and again, I don't know these people and I don't know what's really in their head. Sorry, you raising your hand, Kima? Did you press it by mistake? <laughs> that was so <laughs> weird. <laughs> right, it's the first time we use the hand raise. Yeah. Well, cause I, ha I had to turn my, my video off cause the girls are sleeping. But what I was gonna say was, I well, I kind of have an answer for Lisa, and then after that, then I want to say my experience. Well, mm -hmm. well, no, before that, actually, I'll do it now. Well, <laughs> I was always told that I had like white tendencies, or that I was black enough because my speech and like I'm like a weird person, but 
but I didn't appreciate or feel as, uh, how do I say it, as pro myself, as pro black, as I did until I went to a predominantly white institution. And Mm -hmm. I was dead smack in the middle of all these white people. And I looked around and I said, oh, I am not like them. (laughs) (laughs) It was, I I felt so out of place. Mm -hmm. Like the, okay, the only reason why I went to the school was I was transferring and that was the first and only school I've toured. And I was just like, oh, my grades are good. This is a good, I mean, this is a pretty good school. They have good food. That was my, (laughs) that check, check, check. And then when I was going there, like, I, towards the end, I'm like, oh, I wish I would have went to HBCU. I'm like, everything that I was around, I just felt like I did not belong. I was so out of place. I'm like, the things that, like, their, their nuances and their actions, like, I'm like, I don't do this. This is not how I was taught. Mm-hmm. Like it was just so different when you're like dead smack in the middle of it, and you're all, you're the only one who's not like them, right? And so like, and then also to go off of Lisa's, like I really do think that sometimes they do not know. That's what I'm saying. They don't. They're, they're literally like in their own like world. We have to go out of our bubble because. Um, we are not always accepted in the world. So we right. have to sometimes be of the world. It's like to white people, they're, they kind of feel like they are the world. So they don't have to try to fit into any other world. They're just in their own little circle bubble. And so that's what I'm saying. That's they exactly, step out of yeah. the bubble, they feel like they discovered something new mm-hmm. because this is their first time seeing it. But really it's been the bubble, like how Christopher Columbus thinks he discovered America when really is like people was already here because he stepped out of a bubble. That's excellent. Excellent. I love the way you just spoke that. Like like literally when I was in it, I felt like they were literally in a bubble. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh snap. I agree. That's that was my point. Like when you are literally like imagine when you're a kid. And when you're a kid, your house is law. Whatever your your elder, guardian, mother say, do, whatever, whatever happens in that house, that's how you view the world as being and as happening. The only time you get that bubble burst is an outside forces come in and burst it for you. So it's the same thing with their culture and communities. I feel I feel like with the Caucasian culture, because if no one comes to ever bust their bubble or tell them something's off, or you can't talk like that, or you can't do like this, how will they know? They get to live in that kind of, like we did in that childhood mindset before our bubble was fucking penetrated. Sorry, I didn't mean to say that word, but yes, like they get to have that until outside forces open them up to something else. Same reason racism was able to continue on. If all I grow up in is a white neighborhood with my white parents telling me that these people are the evil, bad, they don't know no good, just that and third, and that's how I'm raised. Then I see them, that's what I see. That's what I know. Unless I talk to a black person or make connections with them or whatever the case may be, that is how I can view the world and no one's gonna tell me no different. 
you don't get to tell no difference. Like how much stuff did I learn in college once I got out of my so-called like bubble of my neighborhood that I was like, huh, huh. Just, just learn about the LGBTQ community as much as I do know. And it's not much, I can learn so much more, but without knowing, without being exposed to it, ignorant as fuck till 18, 19. And I'm allowed to be because I am the predominant as a heterosexual. I am the predominant um, race at that point or, or, or per, like identity at that point. So I was allowed to walk into a heterosexual pro, a pro heterosexual world. And then I learned some shit about the LGBTQ community when I got to college. I'm like, oh shit, wait, how does that work? What does that mean? What does that do? So, and then here you go, a, a white person and then a white heterosexual person in the world. Please, what door is closed to me? What do I know? What do I need to learn? How many other cultures do we have no idea about how they work in the world? Because we don't have to. From Native Americans to like she was saying Pacific Islanders to shit, our own people. How much shit I don't know about some of my African people because I don't have to. That if I'm brought into their world, they're gonna be looking at me like, how do you not know? And I'm like, uh, uh. Well, I'm more so talking about the people that claim to appreciate it. See, the and that's why I asked you the difference. So I'm like, with people who are claiming to appreciate it and, and involve themselves in our culture from Eminem and the on, once you're trying to get in here, then you, you it's your responsibility is trying to get into this culture and research. educate yourself on it. That's mm -hmm. why I was like, are we talking about the people who appreciate it or the people who just walking around being? No, because that's, that goes for the same town in a Tennessee, you know, Tennessee state that believes, you know, because their neighbors all had Trump uh, flags, they just don't, they cannot conceive how Biden, Biden won because that's all right. they see. And that's why I say the right. nature nurture right. thing, that's, that's what they're surrounded by. That's what they see. But if you claim to appreciate other things. Yes, then I totally agree research. with you. It is your yes. responsibility. It is your, that, that should be also part of your intent. I totally agree with you. You're coming into our culture, you got to know it. I'm about to walk in fucking Japan. Like, I saw animes and. I feel like we don't even have the audience <laughs> to do so. As we, uh, as you said, you feel like what? We don't, most of us don't have the audacity to even go in there acting like we know. What, trying what to penetrate know. other cultures? Yes, and try to be like, yeah, I know all about this thing and I'm just going to dive right in. I, I. I, I, I don't get how they do it. Well, you also got to be awarded the availability to be other people. Mm. I mean, no, we've not been awarded it and we made our own shit cool. And so at this point, I don't see nothing else cooler than my shit, my people. But I also mm. haven't had the option to just step into someone else's culture and identity and see if that fits me just as well as this coat. This is the code. And you got to speak the language. Yeah, this is the code. Step into another culture and you got to speak their language. Right. And this world won't allow us to try on other shoes and coats and skins. This world don't allow that for us. So we have to also appreciate and learn and love what is inherently ours. Even if you don't know struggle, even if you haven't been vilified, you still got this hair or something like that. There's something in there in which, ooh, that reminds me. Mm -hmm. Do you ever see like the videos of, um, I'm not sure exactly, but Asian present people who would get their hair so that they can have waves and stuff like that that's a whole sector i'm not even gonna i mean they out there i mean they out there we got a pretty we we put out some good we got some good stuff okay but like, like like ariana said people know 
<laughs> was bringing up and kind of bringing it back to the show, right? That Tanya also um, illustrated as a as the character, right? Is that a lot of things that are quote unquote black or again part of that um, marginalized group once it's I'll call it like quote unquote found by a predominant person then it becomes acceptable before mm -hmm. that it was completely vilified either through just like social shame or actual law you know mm -hmm. for example like I'm again just learning still about how like as black people there have been so many laws that have been passed about how we can and cannot dress ourselves and move how we can and cannot you know do our hair how we can and cannot be outside how we can and cannot you know so where we can live that, and, and 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 that's why like again it's like listeners who might like be the first time you hearing about like that is that is one of the reason why as you know black people at times we get really defensive about how perhaps like a white person might do you know um dreadlocks or a white person might do x y and z and mm -hmm. to yourself you might be like oh well they're just you know doing right a here. hairstyle or they're just you know wearing a clothes a certain way why are you guys up in arms it's because we have literally been banned from thank doing you and that's we what i was saying literally been either we have either literally been either killed been barred from like you know working living in places eating in places because of that very specific thing so when a white person comes in and say oh I invented, you know, this thing, or I'm just, you know, I find this thing really cool, or hey, like, you know, I'm doing this dance on a major um, no, arena or platform, right? And they're not crediting the source. We get super pissed because we have fought so hard and we have literally, you know, at, at the peril of our own lives continue that particular tradition, that particular way of speaking, eating, thriving, you know, cooking, doing our hair, whatever, at the expense of our own lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they can throw on the costume the, yeah. uh, of culture but they can't throw on the struggle nor the strife. So. Okay. And that's what I'm saying. I wonder if it would be half as bad if we weren't being vilified for it. Well, okay, so the white man that uh, I don't even know his name or whatever, who identifies as Korean now. Oh, wait, wait, keep that. Can I say this one piece before I forget? Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. why I also was pissed about Tanya talking about Tony and the hair that she had in her head. Y'all mm -hmm. can't get on black people or try to say, oh, well, we appropriate too because we wear weaves and things like that when we are forced to do so in order to enter certain workforces and create certain wealth mm -hmm. for our people. Because if we come in there with a fro, we're most likely not, a, not able to get that job or, or anything like that if we don't have the weaves that we have to put in our hair. So that has become something, yes, that a lot of women of our color want and enjoy, but it started off and still is something that many of them have to have a wig on hand if they want to get anywhere in this white society. Sorry, go ahead about that Asian man. And it's not white facing. It's not a thing that is owned by the Caucasians. It's not mm -hmm. something there's African, there's Aboriginal people. There's plenty of other cultures that have straight hairs, blue eyes, green eyes, whatever yes. the case is. 
they literally, literally all they have is the Caucasus Mountains. That's that's about all they mm-hmm. have. <laughs> but um, speaking of like somebody, because I remember this guy, I don't know what his name was, but he identifies as Korean, and people got upset with him too. Probably not. I don't know. I don't know. I can't say probably not as upset because I'm not that upset being a black person. I'm just like, that's wild. That's crazy. That's great. That's all I can really contribute to the, the conversation. But maybe for that culture, they 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 definitely had a problem. So well, they have I, right. Well, I think it's because again, why listeners, history is so important and why we need to, you know, really not take up arms, but advocate for the telling of history as is the mm-hmm. telling, the, 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 the knowledge and awareness of history, because so many things that, you know, are being played out in our current society, mm-hmm. you can trace how laws, how, how, yeah, literally how laws have shaped those interactions that we now perceive to be either tradition or that's just the way things are. You know, again, that example about, you know, Black women um, wearing uh, weaves and wigs and kind of going through the whole uh, straightening of our hair through chemical process or whatever, and why there's this, to you all, might seem like a, a big uh, movement about reclaiming black hair mm-hmm. is because throughout American history, the U.S. history, there have literally been laws both on a state level, fed, maybe not federal, but state level, city level about how black women could not, you know, have their hair, their natural hair out in the open while they're walking about how Mm -hmm. you could you couldn't tie your hair in specific fabric how you couldn't do this because you literally will go to jail you will be fine you will lose your job or you will be punished and so when you are at the kind of another part of maybe like to kind of talk about how it's not just affected Black people, but Native American. A lot of Native American uh, tribes, hair is a very sacred thing. Like the length of the hair, how they style their hair, right? All those things. And so when almost every year during Halloween or just like during a lot of those um, indie concerts, you see a lot of like Native American express their anger about people putting like, you know, feathers and all of those um, kind of predominantly Native American art into the hair is mm-hmm. because it has it has specific cultural, it has specific ritual, religion, just significance, right? right. And how tying it to the legal thing, how when an American uh, like I don't know, like 18th, 19th century, when they were forcing Native American children to assimilate into quote unquote white culture, they, they cut their hair, right? They literally kidnap, they kidnap children from their tribe, put them into boarding schools mm-hmm. run by, you know, Christian missionaries, where they were literally physically punished, abused, and those institutions 
so that they couldn't learn their language, they couldn't learn their tradition, and they were their hair was literally shaved, cut, all of that, mm-hmm. that as a way, because they knew the importance of it as a way to um, identify, to break that tie with their families Never. and their uh, tribal, you know, knowledge. And so, so that's why for, for like, like, you know, Native Americans currently having long hair is a form of resistance. It's a form of like rebellion. It's a form is a form of, hey, we are still here. Be- through all of these adversities, we are still here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why when I feel like when Esther, when you said if you had a superpower, it would be to not know, bringing it back, that is, that is the privilege, the ultimate privilege, is to be able to be ignorant. And the fact that people are fighting to stay ignorant because the truth hurts is just yeah. infuriating but it allows mm-hmm. them to continue to perpetuate, continue to come out with sticky bangs, continue to all the shit that they doing. And so sticky, only yeah. knowledge can stop it. Only knowledge can stop it. Knowledge and empathy. So Me hopefully, too. shut up, Hema. So hopefully, <laughs> that face, I can't. Hopefully we can get somewhere in this world. Come on, new generation, stop the madness. All right. So another, I think that was a good ass episode. Um, I missed you all. Glad we're all back together again. Uh, We Need to Talk Club podcast discussing episode 12 and 13 of season two, Lisa. Season two. And so the next episode, we will discuss season 14 and 15 of season two, Girlfriends. This is our series, Girlfriends Talking Girlfriends. Thank you so much for listening. Always heard. And until we need to talk again, thank you and bye. 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 Stop recording.